0: Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true truly professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible and education. For some programs it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years or you can complete the degree you previously Started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount, answer God's call on your life, and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. it's the messiah community radio talk show this is michael james lauren your host when you think of christianity you think of the bible when you think of systematic theology you think of this man dr wayne grudem he's our special guest and he has a book called birth control or what the bible says about birth control infertility reproductive technology and adoption welcome to the program sir
1: thank you michael good to be with you
0: And we're for creators. Good to be with you. So I'm not the least bit intimidated. Well, I'm lying. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know a lot about theology. People have read your books. I mean, just to get through uh, theology class and so forth. And I just want to mention that Dr. Wayne Grudem, he's the research professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. And a graduate of Harvard University, Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, and he's written hundreds, you know, of articles and books. Dr. Grunham, do, do Christians talk enough about this subject? Birth control? I mean, how it pertains to the Bible, infertility, reproductive technology, and adoption. What made you write this book?
1: Well, I um, I don't know what Christians around the world as a whole do, but I have never heard a sermon on birth control in the church that I've gone to. I think there have been Bible studies in small groups. And in a way, it's maybe appropriate, more appropriate than for a whole congregation, including children and elderly people who aren't going to have children anymore. Um, It's a specialized topic. And there's no direct statement about birth control, to my knowledge, in the Bible. We have to get information about the principles that are at stake having to do with the personhood of the unborn child and protection of the life of the unborn child and god's purposes in marriage and the blessing of children that uh, the bible continually reminds us about uh so there are some general principles that we then combine and bring to bear on the question of birth control as well as infertility and uh, other reproductive technology questions
0: And it is true now there's some camps that think that you know children are a blessing uh, therefore, right. we should have many children, right the most that wins, you know that proud dad and mom <laughs> we have nine kids um that type of thing and uh and there are other camps as well, but uh, I like how you how you mentioned that in the book because uh sometimes I guess you know too too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing,
1: right um just because something is good, that doesn't mean we should maximize it because we have to make choices in life uh, evangelism is good, but um We can't spend all of our time doing evangelism. Singing in the worship band is good, but we can't spend all of our time singing in the worship band. Uh, Studying the Bible is good, but we can't spend all of our time studying the Bible. We have to make choices in life of how we allocate our time among many good things that are possible to choose. And we need God's guidance in each situation to know what is wise, what is a wise allocation of our time. Now, I have a friend, a longtime friend from college, He and I were married within a week of each other, and we were groomsmen in each other's weddings. And um, he and his wife have, I think, 12 children now. Wow. And uh, quite a few grandchildren. And um, Margaret and I have three sons and uh, three wonderful daughters-in-law, wonderful sons, and then four grandchildren. He's uh, outpaced us in terms of um, the number of children he has and grandchildren. But maybe it's what's, maybe that's what's right for him and his wife, according to their understanding of God's will for them. And I think our having three sons uh, was the right choice for us, according to God's will for us. So there can be different decisions based on people's understanding of what God is calling them to do.
0: It's so interesting, too. You look at uh, what the um, poster children for all this, Rachel and Leah. In the Bible, you know, the competition where they, (laughs) you know, and and Jacob got kind of perplexed. He's like, look, what am I, God? You know, that (laughs) I should uh, bear you a child or that, you know, it's not up to me. And there was a little bit of a competition there. Sometimes we can get like that.
1: Yes, I think this is an area where um, Christians need to extend a lot of grace to others who make different decisions on this question. I would insist that one thing we should agree on as Christians is that the Bible views Children as a blessing, not as a burden or uh, an unpleasant obligation. Mm-hmm. There's a blessing that brings blessing to our families. and uh, is a very positive view of child of children and childbearing in scripture. and if as long as people have agree with that, then the choice of how many children to have is in this age that we live is uh, available to people um, according to what they think is wise. Jesus said, who builds a tower without first sitting down and counting the cost of the tower. And um, there comes a point in many marriages, I'm thinking of another one of friends of ours right now, uh, where the husband and wife say, we just don't think we are able to have the time and energy hmm. and resources to raise another, ch- another child. And um, I think that's a very legitimate position for Christians to take.
0: You're like the, you know, the king of theology really and you're talking in a very practical way.
1: What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> Michael <laughs> the reason reason I'm doing that is that when the Bible teaches theology it talks in a very practical way as as well. Book of Romans, book of Hebrews, book of Ephesians, they're full of theology but they're also full of verses that have wonderful application to life. And so whenever I teach theology, I try to add in a section on how this makes a difference in how we live our lives.
0: Absolutely. And we want to talk about other things too, but I was going to say that, you know, that one subject or the be fruitful and multiply scripture right? and people kind of, I don't know, they take that to the hilt and it's, it's a little skewed. And you do mention in contemporary society, have used children mostly as a burden, a huge expense and inconvenience that interferes with the happiness of a married couple. And then you mentioned it actually costs two hundred and forty five thousand, maybe more when it comes to high school and uh, raising a child. And so um, but, you know, they some people feel like they are maybe meant to be mothers and some may not. And then there's the guilt factor that they don't have children and then they go to church and uh, maybe they cater to those that have children and have families. And then what happens to the to the other oddballs? Or we we feel like an oddball.
1: Well, you know, I I think people can get scared by that figure of two hundred forty-five thousand dollars to raise a child and they think I don't have that much money. Well, two things. The first thing that I have to keep thinking about and reminding people of is that for thousands of years. It has worked out. Somehow it works out. When people have children, they raise them and they do a a good job, usually, at raising them. And uh, the money problem kind of eventually is solved. Who knows how? Children grow up. They're able to work and contribute themselves. They get scholarship money. Uh, The husband or wife or both get a raise at their jobs. Um, God wants us to have children and be blessed by them. And the finances work out somehow.
0: It's so true. And you mentioned, you know, from scripture, behold, children are heritage uh, from the Lord, the fruit of the womb. It's a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And there's so much more to talk about. We're going to be right there uh, coming back with Dr. Wayne Grudem. You've heard of him because he's very well known for systematic theology. And he has a great book out too, what the Bible says about birth control, infertility, reproductive technology, and adoption, and more to come right after this. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adoption learner, And all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Start your fragrance line and make money with bostonperfumery.com Design custom cologne or perfume using natural ingredients Imagine 10% butterscotch 20% sandalwood and 70% vanilla dark Choose any scents and any percentage from the Boston Perfumery Sun chart then name your custom fragrance Visit bostonperfumery.com Again, bostonperfumery.com Everyone deserves a signature scent Okay, we're back with Dr. Wayne Grudem He's known as the king of uh, theology. And uh, if you know anything about theology, it has his name next to it. Isn't that nice? You, you look at maybe that word in the dictionary, your picture is right there. Where it says theology. <laughs> and <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it probably should, though. And so now we transfer over to uh, birth control. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not, you're not Dr. Ruth per se, you know, but we are going to touch upon certain <laughs> subjects. We're all adults here. And so, uh, you know, where do we delve in? Where do people? start this kind of conversation. Where would you recommend Christians start the conversation when it comes to birth control?
1: Well, the, the reason I wrote this small book was to help people get a start on that question. Looking at various scriptures, there's Psalm 127 that you quoted, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. That's just one of a number of passages that views sh- children in a positive way in scripture. But then also this principle that you don't have to maximize every good thing in the world or every good gift that God gives you. Um, Food is good, but you don't have to eat as much food as possibly you can eat.
0: My wife is is happy you said that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've read that people who advocate no birth control and have as many children as God gives you, they advocate trusting God to decide how many children you will have. And yet... Um, To take an analogy, we have neighbors who have a grapefruit tree here in Arizona, and um, every year grapefruit, some of the grapefruit falls to the ground and there are seeds in it. If they didn't pull up the shoots of young grapefruit trees growing, they would pretty soon have dozens of grapefruit, little grapefruit trees in their yard. And then to say, we just trust God for how many grapefruit trees we're going to have is um, failing to recognize that God has ordinary means that he works through in the world. Ordinary processes that he doesn't normally override. If someone I mean, people
0: do this, and I don't mean to interrupt, but we do this with, I guess, rules, regulations. You know, if I pray more, if I fast more, if I have more kids, somehow, I don't know that the, the fleshly or human element. I know, you know, children are beautiful, but uh, I, I don't know. We we tend to overdo it.
1: I think there's a wisdom question there, Michael, um, in that we need wisdom from the Lord as to what is the right commitment of time. Raising children is a wonderful process, but it is a huge time commitment. And now I'm speaking as uh, my our children now are 47, 44, and 41. Um, there's still a time commitment. They're a joy, but there's still time that um, we love to and uh, feel the need to spend at least on the phone talking with each one and then sometimes during the year getting together with them when we are able to. So, there's a commitment, and the more children you have, the more time commitment there is, and the less time there is to do other things. And there's a question of what God calls us to do. I think that can differ from person to person and from family to family.
0: Yes. And all your children, they're out of the house, though, right?
1: Yes, they are, but okay. they continue to come back for short spells. <laughs> <laughs> In two That's weeks, nice. two well, weeks, mentioned... some of them are coming from <laughs> Minneapolis.
0: And, and just out of curiosity, I mean, do they t- take after their dad's footsteps when it comes to the subject of theology?
1: Well, interesting. You mentioned my book, Systematic Theology. Michael, um, a second edition came out in December. It's um, oh, it's um, fifteen hundred pages. Wow! There is a five hundred page condensation of it called Bible Doctrine, and my son Alexander is working on editing a second edition of that to conform to the second edition of the big book, Systematic Theology.
0: Amazing! It runs in the and family.
1: He's a graduate of Regent College in Vancouver, Canada. And then um, there's a smaller book than that, than the 500-page book. There's a 125-page book called Christian Beliefs. And my oldest son, Elliot, who's a pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina, is editing that, just finished editing that. We just sent it off to Zondervan, uh, the publisher. uh, And that'll be a second edition of that book. So two of the three. And then my third son, Oliver, manages my website, com and takes care of that. So, in a way, um, all three sons have a little part in the... <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, in the let's family.
0: let's uh, talk about that. I mean, just uh, not to digress or anything, but uh, you know, this is an important subject, uh, theology. It affects uh, how Christians are informed about the Bible, about God. And so... Um, I mean, how rewarding is it in the scope of your life that I'm sure people send emails and that you know, you you provide a lot of clarity for people when it comes to God.
1: Well, I'm glad the Lord has used the book. Um, it's filled with the verses of scripture at very at every topic. And I think the words of scripture have power to change our hearts. And so that's one of the keys to the book. And I've tried to approach approach ethical topics that way too, as we started to talk about birth control and infertility and other questions there. I think um, God wants us to grow in our trust in him with regard to whether he gives us children at all and how many and whether they're boys or girls and what their gifts and personalities are. Um, well, yeah, we just trust him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's true, and it's not a competition, folks. <laughs> you know, no. I mean, it's a uh, it it it's a lot of discernment, and a lot of uh, prayer. But I guess you see this in the Bible, though. It starts out, you know, God counts the numbers at first when he talks about uh, genealogies and children and things like that. One thinks that uh, you're supposed to have hundreds of kids.
1: <laughs> well, not one couple.
0: But, Not one couple, but it, it sounds but God's like people, they lived to be 850 years old at one time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He intended them to have children and their children to have children and their children to, children's children to have children to fill the earth. Now, people might say the earth is already full, but God's purpose is to fill it with people who glorify God, with God glorifying people the earth is certainly not full of God-glorifying people. That's true. pattern That's of good. Scripture is that children of believers normally, ordinarily, usually become believers themselves and bring blessing to the earth.
0: Lots of worshipers. Yes. Worshipers and, and spreading the word, you know, of course, uh, continuously. Well, let's talk about this morally acceptable and morally unacceptable methods of birth control, that is, uh, you know, controversial, and of course, the secular world says, "Hey, don't come near that subject." You know, don't tell us what we can't do. Uh, but God has a say uh, in the matter. You know, when it comes to what is morally acceptable and morally unacceptable. Uh, would you like to take over that? And by the way, before I let you do that, I was going to mention that um, I had a, it was a marriage counseling at one time. Okay, uh, and before getting married, and the pastor was advocating for natural childbirth and my wife was talking to his wife candidly. And uh, she said, Oh no, no, no. He had a vasectomy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I started thinking, Oh my goodness, you know, what do we do with that? But he was getting ready to talk about this subject. You take over. What is morally acceptable? What's morally unacceptable when it comes to birth control?
1: Yes, I think, um, Modern technology, medical technology has given us the option to have to use various forms of birth control. The principle that comes into play here is that the unborn child, I think the Bible views the unborn child as worthy of the same or greater protection than children who are already born and should be treated as a person from the moment of conception. Um, David in Psalm 51 says, uh, in sin did my mother conceive me. I think he means his own sin because he's speaking of it's, it's a Psalm 51 where he says, Have mercy on me, O God. He's confessing his own sin. And he says, I was brought forth in iniquity. That means he was born in sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. I think that means at the moment of conception, he had a separate distinct person, personal identity from his mother. And uh, he had a sinful nature at that time. And so he's thinking of himself as an as a, a unborn child, as a person. And he says... Says elsewhere, you knit me together in my mother's womb, personal involvement of God in putting his, making his body what it is. And uh, Elizabeth, when uh, Mary comes to visit her, she says she's the mother of John the Baptist. When she was six months pregnant, Elizabeth comes to visit, Mary comes to visit her, and she said, um, when she, the baby in her womb heard Mary's voice, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Mm. Well, that's a personal activity. on on the um, part of the unborn child. There are other verses I could talk about, but whatever we do about infertility and birth control, um, we have to draw the line at any method of birth control that would take the life of a child who's already been conceived. And so abortion certainly is morally wrong in that regard because it's taking the life of an unborn child. Um, As I understand it, the intrauterine device, IUD, Allows the um, man's husband's sperm to fertilize the wife's egg, and um, a, a new person has a life, new life has begun. And the interuterine device allow, does not allow that life to continue. And so, that I think is morally unacceptable as well, mm. because it causes the death of an unborn person. But uh, you mentioned vasectomy. I don't think there's anything morally wrong with that, with the couple saying, we don't believe God wants us to have any more children. Uh, and do you
0: think it's wrong, though? What if, what if a couple says we don't want to have children?
1: Yeah, um, I want to know why they're saying that. Um, there may be unusual cases, Michael, where they don't want to p- pass on a life-threatening, severe genetic disease, genetically-caused disease. Or there may be some other. Uh, poss- I did know one couple one time who said they're not going to have children because they want to do mission work in dangerous countries. Um I would want to talk to a couple and say, "Do you really agree that children are a blessing from the Lord?" And the Bible views it a, views children as a blessing. And then I um, I don't know. It would be a very unusual situation.
0: I mean, there's some. I guess I don't know. You know, people maybe want to live for self, but there there's some women who say, "You know, I'm not meant to be a mom. I don't feel like a mother, and yeah. therefore I don't want to." You know, my womb is mine, and I'm not. Uh, I don't feel. And and then there. You know, maybe husbands that are earn, aren't earning a lot and feel like maybe it'd be a, a difficult. I, I don't know. There's just some gray areas there. But, you know, you care to address that one?
1: I'm reluctant to say something that's a blanket approval or disapproval of all yes. situations like that without knowing the complexities of individual lives. Mm-hmm. In general, the principle is the Bible approves of children, views children as a blessing. And married couples should hope to have children. Yes,
0: absolutely. Um, and. Now, let's see, where do we go from here uh, as far as how many other uh, subject? What Now we have uh, infertility. Let's talk about that. That's the next one on the list.
1: Right. Um, there are couples in there, are stories in the Bible of Sarah not having a, a child until Isaac is born. Um, Rachel wanting children. Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth in the beginning of Luke's gospel. They were righteous before God, but they had no children. Um and uh, Samuel's mother H- Hannah longed for a child, and then God gave her the blessing of Samuel, whom she gave back to, to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, God delights in answering the prayers of women, women and men um, who, who, for some reason, have not been able to have children but wanted them. And that's an
0: uh, interesting uh, thought. I mean, I was going to say, I I almost wonder if that's to be that testimony to bring glory to God, where people say that even if you're not a Christian and someone just kind of prayed, hoped, and wished and uh, that they would have a child and they were barren and, and God, I'm, I'm, it can make believers out of even non-believers there.
1: Yes, I remember after church one day, standing in the church building, standing around, talking to people, and Margaret and I were talking with a young couple who had um, a baby who was a few weeks old, and all of a sudden it hit me. I said to them, Wait, do you remember a year ago we stood on this very spot and prayed for you to be able to have a baby? And here the baby is. And there was a special joy in that seeing Mm -hmm. the answer to prayer. Now the question comes up, what about um, techniques such as in vitro fertilization? And Christian thinkers have different opinions on this. Some probably think they're
0: tampering with God if they do it. Am I right?
1: Right. And they're interfering with, but it seems to me that we're living in a fallen world where there are, people have sicknesses and diseases and uh, sometimes various parts of our body don't work well. And for some reason, sometimes uh, a couple is unable to conceive a child and there are modern methods of reproductive technology that help that conception to come about. And so in vitro means in glass or in in the laboratory, in vitro means in glass. So the uh, mother's uh, egg and the father's sperm are combined together in a test tube situation in a laboratory and then uh, a new baby a new baby's life has begun and the embryo is implanted into the mother's womb and then grows to be a full-term baby and uh, is born as a baby and brings joy to the parents I see nothing wrong with that if it's the husband and wife who are married to each other because the consistent testimony of scripture in the narrative passages, as well as in some of the moral prohibitions and commands, the testimony of Scripture is that the that the, that God is pleased when children are born to a husband and wife who are married to each other. Um, so that uh, that comes about now. There's artificial insemination by donor, which is a woman getting pregnant with somebody else's sperm. And I have great reluctance about that because I think it intrudes uh, the third person into the intimate connection that happens between husband and wife when a baby is conceived.
0: Dr. Gruden, um, can I ask you a question I want to ask you here? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it uh, it's amazing your humility, <laughs> only because uh, there's so many people they don't know, maybe a pinky full of, of, of what you know, how God has blessed you to know the scripture, theology, and so forth, and to be a great Christian thinker. And it seems like you're okay saying we don't have all the answers. We don't know uh, everything that the Bible says about some of the, I mean, the great thing about your book though, is that you do mention, of course, the theology and the scriptures that do talk about birth control, infertility, reproductive right. technology, and adoptions. But, you know, we don't know everything. And so, you know, sometimes you get these lay people that think they know it all, in the scriptures, and here you are, and you're saying, you know, seek prayer, wisdom. Yeah. Um, are you surprised that how little maybe that were that. Well, the we have some.
1: About this? We have some firm boundaries. We don't want to cause the death of an unborn child. Uh, we don't want to uh, have sex outside of marriage uh, just for the sake of having a child. Uh, um, there are some boundaries there, and uh, I want to talk about a couple other things. One possibility now medically is surrogate motherhood, where a couple is unable to bear a child, and so they pay another woman to carry a child conceived by the husband's sperm. even That's big today. It's what? It,
0: well, that's big today. You hear a lot about that today.
1: Right. And uh, I think, again, that uh, intrudes a third person into the process of bearing a child. And the emotional difficulty and stress that would come into a marriage, I think, is a strong argument against that. So it isn't that the Bible wants us to have children for whatever means we can can use to uh, have them, but to do so within the moral standards and boundaries that are laid down by Scripture. I completely
0: Um, agree. I'm thinking of Abraham and Hagar.
1: That's a close example, close analogy.
0: And right off the bat, you could see that something was amiss. This is not such a good idea. Not only you know, now that I think about it, the actual light bulb went on in my, in my brain that, you know, it wasn't God's plan at all.
1: No, and there was trouble in the family as a result. And the Arab-Israeli conflict today still results from that, from Abraham having a child by Sarah's maid, Hagar. It's true. So, uh, so anyway, that I think is not morally acceptable. And I should say, to be fair, Michael, that some Christians think that in vitro fertilization is wrong, partly because It was previously done with fertilization of many embryos, and those were destroyed, the ones that were not planted in the mother's womb. And I think that is morally wrong. But now in vitro fertilization can be done with the fertilization of only one or only two eggs, both of whom uh, become babies and come to full term and are born. And there, I don't think there's anything morally wrong with that.
0: Dr. Gruden, before we go to break, and you have a little more time, is it okay? Maybe five more minutes?
1: Yes, and I do want to talk about snowflake babies.
0: OK, we're going to talk about that in just a bit. I was going to ask you uh, before we go to break here, if uh, if you think that through the years has views changed about all this, the subject of birth control, infertility, reproductive technology and adoption, like when you go back to old time. Uh, you know, tent evangelism or back in the day, all the way till now. So stay right there. We'll be right back with uh, the king of systematic theology, Dr. Wayne Grudem. we'll be right back right after this. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's word through a daily 30 minute podcast from essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field. After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcasts. Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached. Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at cinami.com That's C-I-N-A-M-I dot O-R-G or call 559-370-4103. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. Every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at christianschoolmanagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact christianschoolmanagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. All right, back with Wayne Grudem, Dr. Wayne Grudem. He's the author of What the Bible Says About Birth Control, infertility, reproductive technology, and adoption as well. And uh, I want to mention, uh, Dr. Grudem is uh, the research professor of theology and biblical studies at Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. And uh, yeah, he's written a lot of books, such as Systematic Theology, The Gift of Prophecy in the New Testament, and Today, Business for the Glory of God, Politics According to the Bible, and a lot more. So now we're back to the subject, Snowflake Babies, where you take it from there.
1: Well, Michael... Uh, I was surprised to find out that there are many, many thousands of fertilized embryos that are frozen and uh, can be frozen for 5, 10, 15 years. They've been fertilized in an in vitro fertilization process, but not implanted in the mother's womb. And yet the parents did not want to destroy the fertilized embryo. So they've just been frozen. Um, They don't grow or develop at all. But the technology is such now that a woman can adopt one of these embryos, frozen embryos, have it implanted into her own womb, and the baby will grow and become a normal baby and have a normal life. Um, there are snowflake babies who are not college students. And it seems to me this is an amazing uh, possibility for couples that are unable to have children for some reason or another, physically unable to have children of their own, um, here is they can have children a child of their own it's it's not the woman's egg or the husband's sperm but it is a child who who's been brought nurtured and brought to full term by the mother adopting it and then they become uh, little babies and uh, grow up to be adults
0: dr grudem how hard was it to to think through this subject matter i mean i know that again the spectrum of theology and and again it's it's really just um not putting God under the microscope, but I mean, searching the depths of God and the Scriptures and man. And I mean, you know, I'm sure your mind does. Your mind ever shut off?
1: <laughs> um, think of all the sleep. things
0: that you've written about and know and and cause us to yeah. think, of course. And I imagine yeah. this subject just makes you think about the depths of God, the the mind of God, the intelligence of God.
1: It does, and it's a joy to be able to do this, Michael, and to search through Scripture for guidance on various real life questions but i have to say also i've spent 44 years teaching classes in the bible and theology and 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 in ethics as well and so over the course of that many years you can do a lot of uh, reading and a lot of study and a lot of writing lecture outlines that eventually become books
0: well i mean this topic includes a moral acceptability of birth control a christian perspective on infertility and reproductive technology You've written it all here. Is there anything that you haven't written about or, or want to write? If there's that book that you have yet to write, that one book, what would it be?
1: Michael, you've just asked me a question that I'm asking myself and asking the Lord. Now, I have one more obligation with regard to writing, and that is I wrote a commentary on First Peter that came out in 1986 or 87, and um, I'm under contract now to revise that to a second edition. It's in the Tyndall New Testament commentary series. I'm supposed Hmm. to finish that by December. When I'm done with that, I'm not sure what the next writing project will be. Um, So if your listeners want to pray for God to give me wisdom on what to turn to next, um, I would appreciate that because I I just don't know. I, I feel that God has given me the ability to write in a way that is clear to people and I hope is faithful to Scripture, but I don't know what topic to turn to now. I have one. What is that?
0: And maybe you've written on this. I don't know. How about... How about Theology and the Church? And that's the title Theology and the Church. And here's the reason why. Uh-huh. Because a lot of people, if Christians are really honest, okay, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, cause any stir or anything, but I don't think we know as much about the Bible and about God as we should. And so we end up having. I don't know a good time and programs and things like that but what if we had in church it's called theology in and the church where everyone would get to know a lot better and we'd be able to share the bible better if we if, if you kind of bridge those two things
1: well, I think in a way I could take my systematic theology book and put another cover on it and call it theology and the church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you could, I mean, but you know, people do it all the time when it comes to marketing and books. But you know, one one last thing before I forget, Doctor Grudem, and I, I will get, you know, I'll be amiss. I'll get calls. Uh, we didn't cover adoption, so can can we just briefly cover that subject of adoption in your book?
1: Right. When we're talking about birth control and infertility and reproductive technology, it has to do with. What do couples do about how many children to have, and if they are and are unable, it seems unable to have children, or even if they do, what about adoption? Well, uh, the Bible says that we have been adopted as God's sons and daughters. We've been members of His, become members of His family, and um, so there's a positive view of uh, God even adopting us. And if we are able to show love and uh, care and guidance to children who need who don't have parents, who are caring for them. That's a wonderful thing in God's sight, and I don't spend a lot of time on it, but um, I'm just thankful for parents who are willing to adopt, who don't have children, are willing to adopt them. I'm thinking of a number of families that we know, or those who do have children and adopt an additional child that's not their biological child, but becomes immediately a member, a loved member of the family. And um it's a it's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, it is. We appreciate your time so much. And these questions, uh, a personal application. If you get to Dr. Wayne Grudem's book, what the Bible says about birth control and fertility, reproductive technology and adoption questions like this. Do you tend to view children more as a burden or as a positive blessing and consider the possibility? Maybe you'll have five, six, seven or more kids. If that happened, you think that would be positive or mostly negative? Uh, in the world or the future, and just so many questions that you know uh, we we need to think about these things. Certainly, well, I would it be amiss if I uh, if if I quoted Woody Allen? I could probably I could probably edit this part, but there's some <laughs> joke. It says I I thought of that old joke that this guy goes to a psychiatrist and he says, "Doc, my brother's crazy. He thinks he's a chicken." And the doctor says, "Well, why don't you uh, turn him in?" And the guy says, "I would, but I need the eggs." Somehow, I <laughs> wish that was. <laughs> There are that I was a little worried about There Got to laugh out of that. But, you know, reproductive and, and eggs and, and things like that. Why not? It's just a, it's a fair joke. But uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem, go get his other books as well and go to his website uh, and learn about this man who is so well-acclaimed in the field of, of theology and uh, in Christianity. You just look up uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem. It's a WayneGrudem.com. And it, would you leave us with a prayer, Dr. Grudem, just as far as uh, in your hearts, how we can all kind of know the depths of God and and, sure. and grow closer to him and study?
1: Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you allow us to call you Father and you call us your sons and daughters. And so you set a pattern of faithful fatherhood, which you delight in. And so I pray for every Married couple listening to this program, every couple engaged to be married, that you will give, and and actually every Christian listening to this program, Lord, you will give wisdom regarding how they should act and how many children they should uh, have in obedience to your guidance, how they should encourage and counsel others who are asking about these things. And we do ask, Lord, for those who have been unable to have children For some reason or another, but still long to have them, that you would bless them, Lord, with conception and growth and healthy birth of a child or children that they long to have. They could say with Hannah, for this child I prayed and the Lord has given me what I asked of him. And so, Lord, we thank you. I thank you for the children that you've given to Margaret and me and what a joy they are. We thank you for the children of the people listening and for the children listening to this broadcast, that you would give them joy and each other joy in their relationships as a family, joy in the fact that you've brought them into a family. and Where there's conflict, Lord, let there be peace and reconciliation and resolution. Pour out your blessing on the families listening, the husbands and the wives and the children. Thank you for Michael and this podcast. Amen.
0: Amen. Dr. Wayne Grudem helping us understand the mind, the heart, uh, the tenderness and sensitivity and the wonder of God through his work, through the uh, theological writings, uh, systematic theology, and his book here, Uh, What the Bible says about birth control, infertility, reproductive technology, and adoption. Uh, Distinguished Research Professor of Theology and Biblical Studies at Phoenix Seminary, Dr. Wayne Grudem. Thank you so much for your work and for being on the program.
1: Thank you, Michael. Michael, there's one thing we didn't say we could have said.
0: Yes, we'll say it now.
1: This is just just two chapters out of maybe one chapter out of my book on Christian
0: ethics. Well, we've got more reading today. How many, you know, thanks to you, you know, you, you keep seminary students up all night. You have to read page after page after page. They, they, they take energy drinks to stay awake and and perform well on, the, on these tests. Thanks to Dr. Wayne Groove. Thanks a lot. Okay. God bless you, sir. Have a good evening.
1: Thank you, Michael. Good to talk to you. Our
0: sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. And Aurelix Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied OrLex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from OrLex Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Aurelix.com for more information.